Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome into Fantasy Sports today, April 13th, 2020. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show on Sports Grid. Welcome in. Hope you guys enjoyed a good weekend. Hopefully you caught our one-hour extravaganza show, which we aired for you on Saturday and Sunday over on Sports Grid and SportsGrid.com, as well as YouTube. And happy holidays to everyone. Happy Passover. And then, of course, Joe, uh, happy Easter to those people who celebrated that yesterday. How was your weekend? Uh, very nice. Very uh, relaxing, uh, That uh, which was always, uh, always good. Uh, we did uh, a couple of um, studying for the upcoming draft and, of course, uh, played a couple of pick fives, uh, which oh, I okay. did not hit at Gulfstream, although some lucky SLB did uh, yes. win 500000 on 50 cents, so good for him. But uh, other than that, it was good. Yeah, it, it was. It I would have really known. Good. You know how I would have known if you would have hit that. Yeah. Uh, Joe, Joe would have been out sick today. Yeah, it would, it would have been really just this game. today. That's exactly what you would have got today. That would have been the show today exactly. for sure. Yeah, that's exactly. A very fair point, as as I would have as well. I wouldn't yep. have uh, felt well, and it would have had nothing. It would have had to do with the Gulfstream virus, not the coronavirus. That's that correct. Yeah. That would have definitely been the case. Uh, next week, we'll preview the NFL draft. We'll talk about that a little bit here on the show today as well. But, of course, the draft is next Thursday, so we'll update that. As far as baseball is concerned, any kind of baseball news or fantasy baseball news, we certainly will deliver it to you as well every day, 11 to 1 Eastern, right here on Fantasy Sports Today. But, of course, we'll start off with a number of different topics just from things that had over the weekend. Before we get to sports, i got to ask you this question, Joe. Uh, on Saturday night, did you take the plunge at 11.30 p.m. Eastern and see what Saturday Night Live had cooked up for us? Uh, did, you, did you catch any of that broadcast? Yeah, I caught the beginning. And because okay. uh, I, you know, I'd heard that Tom Hanks was going to be hosting. And I'm like, yes. well, this should be interesting. And I've yeah. um, got to tell you, it was a little awkward. Um, it was very weird. Yeah, it really it was. was. It I was... give him a lot of credit for trying, though. I, I gotta say, like, it's like really one of very few uh, live shows going on. And I would say I watched for about forty-five minutes. You know, as he said at the beginning, there was only about ten minutes that I thought was was pretty good. But mm-hmm. still, I gotta give these people credit for, yes. for going to battle for us and, and putting something on TV. A little awkward, but I gotta tell you, I mean, no audience, no. I mean, they had a laugh track in the beginning, but other than that, he was basically in his kitchen, uh, trying to uh, trying to do a hosting of the show, which was the monologue was. I guess once we got over the weirdness aspect of it, I was like, all right, it's it's Tom Hanks. I mean the. Listen, the jokes weren't bad. It wasn't like the writing was bad. It was no, yeah, awkward weird. watching a dude stand in his in his kitchen with no laugh track. It was just really weird. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's it, it's uh, in front of a live audience yes. always too. So it was a little weird, but I will say uh, kudos to those guys and girls who put that thing on because yep. I know how it, difficult it must have been to try to accomplish that. It looks like they're going to do another one this uh, this coming Saturday night. Right. So yep. we'll see if uh, if they continue that going. All right, uh, over to sports here a little bit. Let's just kind of pop in some of the different topics that happened over the weekend. We could start a little bit with the NFL draft. Uh, there's some reports here, uh, CBS saying that a couple of teams are basically checking in on Jordan Love at this point. Yeah. So, of course, we're going to be diving into this a lot more next week. 
it certainly does appear that any kind of draft grade at this point that had Jordan Love in the second round is pretty much done. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's going to be a first-rounder at this point. Four months ago, Joe, he was not a first-rounder. But the helium happens every single time with these quarterbacks. You know, teams are always desperate. They find themselves in this situation. Of course, Miami's involved somewhat. They have a later pick if they don't take a quarterback early on. But then the interesting uh, teams were those quarterbacks with with the, were those teams with the legendary quarterbacks, the Patriots, of course, who no longer have one, the uh, Green Bay Packers, who have Aaron Rodgers. But let's be real at this point, Aaron Rodgers probably going to play two more years, three more years. That's he could play longer than the other two guys uh, like Brady and Breeze, but probably not much longer than that. And then the other part of it is that the New Orleans Saints uh, checking in apparently on him too, which is interesting because I thought Taysom Hill was the answer. So look, a lot, a lot is going to be done between now and next Thursday night. But I think it goes without saying that it's a pretty, uh, it's it's pretty definitive at this point that even though I'm not a big Jordan Love fan and I watched him every game last week, uh, last year when he played at Utah State, I thought he was better two years ago, Joe. Uh, I mean, his numbers aren't even that good anyway, but I'm a huge college football fan, college football betting, very well aware. I was unimpressed with him, but I suppose just based off going on combines and things of that nature and individual workouts, which they've had a a chance to see, and also teams that are desperate, love is going to creep into the first round. I I promise myself every year right around this time that I am not going to buy into the hype and the misinformation uh, machine that rolls around right around this oh, time yeah. of year. And I think the thing that when I was studying over the weekend on what's going on, if you, if you look, if you correlate the prop bets with what's going on with these guys and what we are hearing, to me, I thought love based upon the initial, a lot of media members throwing a lot of love his way towards love, right? Jordan Love. But I thought he'd be 15. You know, the, the prop bet to me should have been 15, right? Will he go in the middle of the first round? But that prop bet is at 19 and a half. And when you look at the bottom half of the draft, um, I don't see a lot of teams that, you know, it really comes up to Miami at 18. His number is 19 and a half. So when you look at who's after Miami, I don't know. To me, Tua holds the keys to all of this. If of Tua course. doesn't go to Miami or, or, uh, or the Chargers, then, I, you know, who's going to waste a first-round pick on a guy that's going to have to sit this year, basically. I don't know. I still think he's a second-round guy. Yeah, look, every grade had him as a second-round draft right. pick as yep. soon as the season ended. Every single one of them. And then the desperate nature of teams that need quarterbacks in the NFL, things change, and essentially the player hasn't done anything in the last three months. Nothing. It's just that the teams have made moves, and it seems like they're more desperate for quarterbacks. But you're right. I mean, Love could be one of those guys that's drafted in the first 20 picks. He could also be one of those guys that goes somewhere in the second or third round. I right. think it's I think it's, it's wide open as far as he is concerned. Depends uh, also- on what Miami does, what your Dolphins do to me. Because a lot of – I got to tell you, man, I, I know you had said Herbert was out – I'm getting a lot of love uh, from Miami folks there. That, uh, yeah, that are, I don't think it's happening. I don't yeah. know if it's a, you know trying to let people think that they're not interested in Tua, which, of course, means there's no reason to hop over. I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to take Tua, and I, this is all going to be for nothing. I think there's a lot of misdirection about what Miami is going to do right now because there's a lot of Herbert love, but maybe yeah. we're not interested in Tua. All right, so then does do the Chargers really need to jump Miami to get? I, it's Miami holds the keys to everything, I think, on, on what's going to happen with this draft. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% certain that they're going to take Tua, but I'm more certain that they would take him uh, than they would take Herbert. I or just have not. Do they go? Anything. Do they wait at 18 and get love? I mean, his numbers could 19 very well and a half. Do that so. too. They could also at 18 trade down. Yep. Yep. And, and let somebody move up if they think that they could get him later on. Look, they know a lot more than we do at this Strange. point. The, yep. the only thing I can tell you that I've heard pretty definitively is no on Herbert. Yes. So we'll, we'll have to see how it plays love out. This time. Um, yeah. It's so misdirection. This is, this, is, uh, this is what it is, you know. Yep. I, I wish the baseball draft had this most misdirection. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dak Prescott uh, holds a birthday party, uh, Joe. I believe this happened either, I think, on Friday night. We haven't had a chance to talk about this where Ezekiel Elliott was supposedly there too, 30 people in attendance. Look, I don't think it's a huge deal, but I do think that the problem is with what's going on with all of us is that the, the wrong message is clearly being sent. I mean, if you're going to get together, cool, find a way that this doesn't get out, that people like us aren't talking about it, because obviously uh, the message is to fans and to kids who are sitting at home saying, right. well, well, if he did it, why can't I do it? And I think... Listen, if you want to get together and not do, practice social distancing and do all this stuff, put people at risk, it's a free country. You do whatever you want. But if you're a pro athlete, you got to have better awareness to know that everyone is going to be talking about it. It's all about self-awareness. And obviously, somebody in that party uh, thought it would good to leak it to TMZ because uh, sure. I'm fairly certain it wasn't Dak Prescott himself. So either know what the hell you're doing, right? Make sure that circle stays small here, guys, and uh, and you don't have to tolerate it. Like you said, what you do behind your own closed doors is your own business yeah, with cares? adults. I'm, I'm good to go. But the minute that, you know, you allow this to get leaked out, the police had to show up, apparently. I, uh, what are you doing? Like, I what just are you don't doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make sure that everyone's phones are checked at the door. You know, right. Everyone has to put their phones in the basket. You know, I've, I've and seen be discreet. Obviously, you weren't. Somebody called the cops. Like, what? What? Yeah. Like, because the cars kept rolling up? Like, what are you doing, man? What, what even, I, I guess it's worse for them to do that than A-Rod and J-Lo to go try and work out at a closed facility. I don't know. That what they own? <laughs> yeah. Just I, 30 people in, like, in a neighborhood where everybody is watching and stuck inside. Sure. Like, you got self-awareness, dude. Know yeah. the audience. Definitely not in this particular case. Uh, over to the NBA, uh, Bleacher Report had a story I checked out over the weekend. They pulled some NBA uh, trainers mm -hmm. and also people who were involved with the league saying that they could need about a month to restart. Joe, like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? Like, you guys are not going to have a month to train before you start a season. You're lucky if you have, like, two weeks to get ready for this. So uh, if this is the case... I mean, we're, we're not going to be looking at any kind of extended NBA playoffs. And what we talked about a couple of weeks ago would be in play, too. You're training for a month. Guess what? You're playing a best of three at the most first round in the NBA playoffs, in my opinion. You're adding now a month onto the timeline so these guys can get their legs underneath them. And yeah, right. Like, I listen, baseball, two weeks. we had said two to three weeks, right? And, and you're going to get a spring training to get back up and get started. But you're talking about guys that already played three quarters of a season. So, um, what in the world have you guys been doing for the? I don't get that whole. Uh, you need a month to get. How many games are you going to play? With it? You might as well just finish the season at that point. And, yeah, and play. I, I, the training is going to be longer than the season. Exactly. Exactly. I don't get it. It's going to be best of five. It's not going to. You know, you're adding a month onto the timeline that you're running out of time to begin with. Yeah, I, it's. I appreciate it, trainers, but it ain't going to happen. Yeah, and, and at this point, I think, Joe, the best-case scenario that we would paint is that, like, let's say, for example, they start the playoffs immediately, so 16 teams are in, 
And then that first round is what? Three games at the most? Second right. round, five games at the most? Yeah. Yeah. And then third round, maybe you have a, a seven-game series. for. But I don't even think you can. I don't, I don't even think there's enough time for that. I think it's like threes and fives. And that's it. And we'll so take when that. You get start, when you rev this engine up, I mean, I, I yeah. think by May 1st, I, I do think the first announcement, and that's what Adam Silver has been talking about, by May 1st, we won't know anything until May 1st. So I think May 1st is going to come. They're going to say, listen, you know, our plans exclude finishing the season. That's already going to be done. So now we're just focusing on scheduling the playoffs when the time is sure. right. Yeah, no, that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, we did have some uh, good news, and we have some video to accommodate that good news mm. from, from the weekend. Yes. In Taiwan, yes. they started up their baseball season. They're the first pro league to come back and play in 2020. The Taiwanese league is called the CPBL. Mm -hmm. And here you can see some of the highlights where I know a lot of people aren't overly concerned with the players necessarily, but you do see pitchers, you see hitters. That right there that you're looking at is a home run. There is no one in the stands. Zero. But, but it went off without a hitch. Yep. And I think that 10-second clip that we just showed is the future of what we're probably looking at for baseball this summer. I don't right. know that it's, that, that it's a whole season's worth of stuff, because if you're talking about having college football in August and pro football in September, you're probably going to have to allow baseball fans back at some point, too. But at the very least, I think that for a month or two, mm -hmm. that video is probably indicative as to what we are going to see. Yep, absolutely. Got to get used to it. I mean, listen, the game is still going on, and I am sure that there was an awful lot of folks uh, watching television there while uh, baseball was that game is happening. So yeah. I'm sure there were a bunch of very ecstatic baseball fans that uh, were excited to see folks back on the field playing. Even though nobody in the stands, that could very well be the new future. How much did you have on that one? I did not, yeah. Though I'm waiting for lines to be released uh, as we speak there. I mean, Taiwan, China's got their season underway. So hopefully we'll start to see some, uh, some books carry a few of those lines moving forward. What did you think of that wacky ro robot fans in the, in the stands, having the robots hysterical. there? Hysterical. Yeah, them, absolutely hysterical. Yeah. And listen, you know, I mean, doing the best that they can with what they got. The fact that we can just have a game. I'm good. I'm good with that. We'll work the fans back into the games here at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about it over the weekend, uh, you know, baseball trying to, mm -hmm. you know, figure out different ways to get things going. And I'm sure as we're doing this show, they're figuring something else out. We'll hear something on, on Tuesday or Wednesday, potentially. But, you know, it's interesting, Joe, that, that one of the other reasons why they pivoted off this uh, Arizona deal to Florida uh, you know, and I didn't even really think it through as well as I have now that it's you know been a couple of days. And it does make a lot of sense. Uh, primarily, in addition to the players saying basically they didn't want to be away from their families for months and the logistics of actually playing the games, the teams in Florida, Joe, uh, and especially the general managers, uh, were able to express that they would be going into a regular season in Arizona at a disadvantage because all of the other teams would be on their home parks and they would be right. on the road. So, I mean, you think about that, and hypothetically, we could use the Mets as an example. We could mm -hmm. use the Marlins, but for this, we'll use the Mets. The Mets train in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Now you're asking them to go to Scottsdale. Wherever they go, there's a home team there. They've already been there. They're training there. And even if right. the Mets are sharing the same facility, they don't have all their amenities there, too. So I think that was the first pivot. Still, we don't know even if this... Uh, plan that we heard about is indeed the case but you know there's there's going to be other issues that are going to come up with it another problem is 
is that uh, there are going to be some general managers and managers, Joe, who are going to look at their realigned divisions and go, what are you talking about here? Like, yeah, exactly. I, like this isn't fair. Like, all of a sudden, I have to compete against this team. So there's still a lot to be worked out there. But there clearly was an advantage if they were going to do it in Arizona for those Arizona-based teams. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the uh, Buster Olney report, too, of uh, maybe they're considering also playing the games in Japan. Uh, since they might be uh, that far ahead uh, as far as the virus goes, and maybe that would be a possibility. Be so, wild. Yeah, everything we keep hearing, I, we're going to hit, these are all getting leaked for a reason here, guys, as we all try to wrap our heads around which plan is going to come to fruition. But somebody is trying to uh, throw it out there and try to see what kind of reaction we get. Uh, uh, otherwise, there's no reason for us to get these, uh, this information from these reporters. Yeah, the, I guess the expression that they use for these sort of things is a trial balloon. Exactly. I, I, I've never heard of that until this. Like, I, I guess all these years that when we've yep. heard they've put things out there. But, yeah, I mean, Japan is an interesting scenario, too, because I, I suppose it's safer there. But then again, you're asking all these families to go overseas. Oh. I, I think the reality of this situation is come May and very soon in two weeks. You may not have a definitive answer on the on the status and the timeline, but you're right. going to know whether or not a season's going to be played or not. And that's I think great. that's coming here in the next couple of weeks. So yes. uh, certainly we'll update you. We'll keep you uh, abreast of all of the situations that are going on with all of the sports right here every day, 11 to 1 Eastern on Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up next, it's time for us to dive into this day in fantasy sports. In addition to that, what we're going to do is give you the fantasy sports birthdays for the day. A little bit later in the show, a couple of props on the FanDuel Sportsbook pertaining to odds on the NFL draft, not specifically on the players, but some of the colleges and how many players from each college will end up going in the first round. So those props are out. There are several of them. A couple have zero value whatsoever. We try to give you the ones that may have some value going into the draft next Thursday. So with that, we'll take a quick timeout right here on FST. Craig Mish, Joe Ranieri, and we're back in just a couple of minutes right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Stay on the grid. This is Sports Grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri as we lead off your Monday with a lot of fantasy sports talk and a little bit of NFL as well. We've got our props coming up for a couple of the colleges that have players going in potentially the first round of the NFL draft. Also our historical look at stadiums in the past as well. So stay tuned for our entire two-hour show. And if you're only watching pieces at a time, that's cool too. Just go to YouTube. We post all of our videos on demand. Make sure you like and subscribe to it. And also set your notifications to the on button in this way every day. They'll get sent right to you. Let you know when they are available to watch. Uh, so April 13th, Joe, 2020. This uh, th this is this will be a year that we'll look back and we'll never want to remember it again. But nope. April April 13th in the past actually had some interesting things happen. And I mean, you see the picture right there. Yep. I mean, everybody had one of these. If you lived in New York or if you were a New York fan, and um, interesting for me. 
Uh, well, anyway, 1978, the Yankees beat the White Sox 4-2, sort of irrelevant. But this was the first day that the Reggie candy bar came out. And ironically, I moved to South Florida shortly after this, around 1979, 1980. Wow. And it was one of the few things that my dad was adamant about bringing from New York to South Florida because he thought that these Reggie bars one day uh, <laughs> were going to be worth like a fortune. And we, we, we kept those things in our fridge, I'm going to say at least five years. Really? Least. Yes. We, we had, we hung onto those things. Uh, they were actually pretty good. They had like, uh, you know, nuts in them of some kind, yep. if I had caramel, I want to say, uh, I, I, I think they were kind of like a, maybe like an almond joy type feel to it, but yep. Remember it was, it they, they were super popular, Joe. Yep. And, um, well, we'd already had story. Babe Ruth, right? Yeah. So we already had the Babe Ruth bar. So it was uh, Reggie where he was like, oh, wow. It's, uh, it wasn't bad, actually. It, it wasn't bad. I remember it uh, like it was yesterday. And somebody's probably got one of these somewhere. Oh, I for am sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, I am sure somebody's got this encased in something somewhere. I remember just constantly going to the fridge and looking in the back and seeing those things for year after year and kept saying to my dad, like, like, what are we doing here? Like, I mean, I, I oh, no, they're going to be worth something someday. I'm like, all right. All but, right. You know, inevitably, we threw them away after. I, it, 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 I'm telling you, Joe, it was at least five years. It, it may have <laughs> oh, been longer geez. than that. They were good, man. They were actually really, really good. I'm going to get the uh, ingredients, too, just well, so guys if, can if, understand. If, if you had no choice and somebody put these two things in front of you, they put a Reggie bar in front of you. Okay. From, from that era. Ooh. Not now. But from that era, an old Reggie bar or a few sticks of gum from 1980s baseball, which way do you go? Wow, that is, uh, that's got botulism written all over it. So yeah, I'm going to go no one way or the other. I'm probably going with the gum. Uh, I'm going to go with the gum. I might I've break tried, a tooth I, along I the way. I have tried the gum. Yep. Um, you know, over the last 10 years, I'd say that like I put, and it, it immediately just disintegrates. Yep. The second, and it tastes like. Paper. Like yeah, it's like just, chalk. It's terrible. Yeah, yes. yeah. I tried it. Just yep. like I don't know if it was a dare or whatever. I don't remember what it was. It but, was uh, awful. Yeah, like a tops. Uh, like here's a pack of tops cards from 1983. Yeah, Open you can it still up buy Eat the gum. Oh God. You could, listen, not not 80, even 83. Remember, they had gum all the way through like 87, 88. Right. I want to yep. say. Yep. So you you could still go on eBay and buy yourself a box of cards for twenty dollars. You get it. The gum is right there. You it's pop amazing. it in your mouth and it's like. Yep. It's just like. Unheard yep. of. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 1986. I, this was staggering to me. I had no idea that the Boston Celtics in 1986, Joe, they finished off their regular season with a 40-1 and home record. Are you kidding me? Wow. I, I don't happening at all, but I looked it up, and look, this is like, you know, Larry Bird and Parrish and Ains Johnson, and all of them, right? 40-1. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And that had to be, what, the, the Magic uh, Laker years uh, yeah. right there, right yeah. at the end? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the, this, the Bulls won 70 games, but, I mean, they lost a couple at home. Yep. 40 and 1. Yep. Best home record in NBA history. That's sure. crazy. Uh, 2004, Barry Bonds hits home run number 661. He passes Willie Mays. Ironically, uh, the reason why I bring this one up today is because my wife and I, uh, for. It wasn't our honeymoon, but it was like some, it was like on our engagement trip or something. Mm -hmm. We go to San Francisco and we schedule to go to opening day in San Francisco. And Barry Bonds opens up the season 
with 556 home runs. Mm -hmm. But the Giants play six games on the road before they come home. Gotcha. And he ends up hitting 557 and 558 and 559. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 658, 659. Yeah, yes. Whatever. You, yep, I know what you're doing. Yep. Okay, bad math. Always been bad. Yep. So Will, Willie Mays has 660 home runs. So he's on 659, and we're and we go to opening day in San Francisco, second inning. I believe it was off Matt Kinney. Okay. Barry Bonds hits home run number 660. We're there. Uh, Willie Mays comes out, hands him a trophy, whatever. It was one of the cooler experiences awesome. to, to see that. And, again, this was at a time where we're watching those home runs and yep. thinking, like, yeah, cool, you know, like no steroids. And I really talking about it. Godson, was it? I know the old man, yeah. right? And uh, and yeah. Willie were really close, so Willie Mays. So that's yeah. that's really cool. So I was there. I was there yep. for Barry Bonds' 660th home run. Did you run. catch the ball? No, we were in foul territory. Oh, all right. Uh, you weren't on like a kayak out. Uh, yeah, out, yeah, out, out, out no, right. no, that would have been Flashed something. Down. Yes, that. <laughs> Not me, man. That water is cold, man. Whoo! Yeah, people are crazy. They're yes, they are. Too. Not me. Anybody ever been to the old candlestick at night? Uh, oh, once that sure. sun dropped. Oh, wow! Is that cold? I don't cold. think there is a sun. There is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, in 2014, uh, Pac-Man, Manny Pacquiao, he ended up beating Timothy Bradley. And this was toward the end of Manny Pacquiao's career, of course. 2015 ends up fighting Floyd Mayweather. 2016 ends up fighting Floyd Mayweather. And those boring fights, just mm -hmm. they, they kept throwing them on TV, Joe, and just asking us to pay $100. We kept paying it. The fights weren't exciting. But Manny Pacquiao was certainly uh, you know, a very good fighter at his time. You would say a Hall of Famer, one of the best ever, but he was not getting past Floyd. Yeah, no, it's um, ran for president, was president, I think, at, uh, of his country there, or some sort of mayor somewhere, or governor maybe. Um, very strange, uh, that whole career. I mean, listen, at one time in his prime, Manny Pacquiao, pound for pound, was considered one of the best that there ever was, sure. but then it just got so drawn out because instead of somebody coming in you know, taking that torch and moving on with it. It was just Manny Pacquiao, and it was whoever he wanted to fight. And, you know, I love Mayweather, but, like, dude, that was like watching paint dry, watching no, him fight. No, his fights were not exciting. It was just yeah. there weren't nothing exciting, and people still paid for it in hopes I of know. something. I know. And the Mayweather truthers are so defensive about how good he is. Like, oh, he's such a great defensive fighter, and that's what makes him so great. And, yes, that is the case, yes. but it doesn't make it watchable. Nope. And... And not, all not for a hundred bucks. Nope. The last ten years of fights of his have, have almost been unwatchable. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So. Absolutely. All I'd right, rather so watch him take a cash, like a suitcase full of cash, go buy and, a Lamborghini. And lose a million dollars. And watch. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather watch him go buy a car with a suitcase full of cash than anything else. Yeah. Psycho. Like, yeah, he won a million on the Eagles. And then yeah, won. exactly. But you don't hear anything the last two years. Nope. Nowhere to be found. I'm sure, he didn't bet anything on that. No, not at all. Chump. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's the story. That's that's the uh, this day in fantasy sports for April the thirteenth, two thousand and twenty. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of fantasy birthdays, we've got Ooh. a nice nice little run of, of oh, players. Oh wow! Look a lot at of this! Have heard of. Wow! One of our better days here. Actually. Yeah. Uh, we start off with Davis Love the Third, professional golfer, mm -hmm. not particularly well liked by anybody, but also a, um, a champion, a majors champion, and we start off with golf here. And he was born in 1964. So happy birthday to Davis Love III. Mm -hmm. A lot of the April birthdays are celebrating with no cakes. So we're trying to give them a reason to celebrate. So there you go.
1964, Jose Rijo. Yes. Formerly uh, an ace pitcher yep. for the Cincinnati Reds and also the Oakland A's. Yep. And pitched in an era where it was that dominant starter that would end up leading you to great things. Jose Rio, Joe, was definitely one of those guys, and I believe a World Series champion, if I'm not mistaken, with the Reds the last time they were good, which feels like a billion years ago. That was Lou Pinella's ace, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, 1990. Uh, yep. Yeah, yep. 1990. And, and again, he did start off with your team. Yep. Yes, he did. Yankees. Didn't want to say it, but I'm glad you brought it up. Yep. Do you remember how Jose Rio went over to the uh, to, to the uh, Cincinnati Reds? Yeah, did, I mean, I'm oh, sorry, the, it was the Oakland A's. Oakland A's, right? Yeah. How did he get there? Ricky Henderson. That's right. Yep. Yep. It was that part of that big three. Uh, okay, back to birthdays we go. 1979. We have Baron Davis, former mm-hmm. NBA player, uh, had that great run in the NBA for a few years, was, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, with the Charlotte, when he went to Charlotte, he was an absolute beast. Yep. And him, and I, and I think Jamal Mashburn also in the 90s were on those teams. They were just running over teams, and Baron Davis was a dominant player for a long period of time, but... We didn't really talk about him that much, yep. Joe. And then he kind of fell off a cliff, and that was it. And then, uh, but it was, uh, he was really good. There was probably about a four or five year stretch there where he was as dominant as they come, but you know, kind of buried himself in, uh, in Charlotte there for a little while. Yeah, no, it was a really good player. Played mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Charlotte, New Orleans, Golden State, mm-hmm. Clippers, yep. uh, Cavs, and then ended his career with the New York Knicks. I don't even remember that happening. Wow. But uh, ended up leading the league in steals two different times. Mm-hmm. And with both Charlotte, remember Charlotte left initially to go to New Orleans. Yep. And uh, at 22 points a game with New Orleans, 17 points a game, 18 points a game. Really good. The first yep. five, six years of his career. Uh, okay, uh, 1983, we got a couple of baseball ones here. We have Hunter Pence. Wow. A World Series champion with the San Francisco Giants, who last year shocked the world, honestly by uh, signing with Texas as a non-roster invitee and put together a really good year. A lot of people thought that he was done, and he's potentially back for another year this year if they decide to have a season. But, look, Hunter Pence, not the most conventional swinger of all time, Joe, uh, or thrower, for no. that matter, but was always able to get the job done and pretty good player over the course of his career. He'll be known as a good player. Yeah, it wasn't exactly a um, finesse swing, my word. Um, just kind of swinging out, putting the ball on, uh, running, throwing. Uh, there was a stretch there for a while. He was just, a lot of people thought he was going to be the next great thing there. But, for sure, uh, Philadelphia, he, yeah. Houston. Yeah. Well, just didn't happen that way, unfortunately. But good no, player. I'm good still career, up. yeah. Yep. You look back at his career, winning a yep. World Series. I mean, how much can he ask? Uh, 1986, uh, Lorenzo Cain finally put, put together a gold glove. I mean, people thought uh, Lorenzo Cain was the best uh, defender yes. for a long time in baseball. Couldn't get that gold glove. Finally ended up winning it last year. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, born in 1986. And uh, Lorenzo Cain was actually on the show a couple months ago. So uh, happy birthday to Lorenzo Cain as well. And then we close it out with Melvin Gordon, born in 1993, the newest member of the Denver Broncos. And... Melvin Gordon celebrating in quarantine like the rest of us here. And, Joe, I don't think necessarily celebrating that new contract that he got either with the Denver Broncos. In fact, if we look back on this after the offseason is over and we look at all of the free agent signings, I would say that the Melvin Gordon signing, the amount of money he got, mm-hmm. and the team that he ended up with are probably the most bizarre 
set of circumstances that that we've saw yeah. thus far in free agency. Yeah, right? especially when you're talking about who they, you know, they had uh, Royce Freeman. They had a couple of uh, a one-two punch shot there that was going on. They got a, you know, a rookie quarterback in Drew Locke that they're really hopeful on. They had, a, you know, first-year uh, head coach coming up there in Fangio and they still got Von Miller and, you know, they're kind of in rebuild mode and I... Yeah. Paying the money, even what eight million dollars to go with uh, Melvin Gordon. I just Gordon. don't understand what they're doing. I don't I mean, know. I, I mean, have no idea. I mean, look, this is the same regime that drafted Royce Freeman two years ago. Correct. Yep. So, guys, I mean, Philip Lindsay's I thought was was pretty good. Still going to be there, right? I mean, so I, mean, the, I guess they're going to dump Freeman. Yeah. And my guess is next week. Honestly, I think that they'll be like Not a sixth round pick, or, a, or yeah, I think they're going to probably yeah. have to trade him. But what does that say about their they're drafting. I mean, this is just, they just did this. Like, way to go, ALA. Way to go. Feels like, if, look, I usually in these situations, teams tend to ride those drafted players into the ground, especially mm-hmm. when it's the same regime that drafted them. But I suppose not in this case. If I had to predict, I would say that next Thursday, Friday, how many, how many days is the draft next week? Is it three again or two? It's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I believe. By yep. the time Saturday's up, I would guess that Royce Freeman is on another team, and that team gets a sixth-round yes. pick, seventh-round pick. Yep, and it's not a bad pickup for whoever that team is, by the way. So I do like uh, I do like Freeman, but listen, if Melvin Gordon's got a couple years in him, uh, and I think he does, he's certainly yeah. young enough. If he can stay healthy uh, with that, uh, you know, blocking scheme, if they continue there in uh, in Denver, and Denver's always produced some pretty good running backs, especially at home. Don't forget, Denver, one of the better. Um, home field advantages because of that altitude and usually running backs do really good in the third and fourth quarter there because defenders are usually uh, sucking wind there. So um, I hope it works out. I mean, Melvin Gordon's a good guy, just the worst timing in the world over the last couple of years for him. It is. It is. And I would ask you this, Joe, like seeing what, and look, I I put Christian McCaffrey on a completely other level than Melvin Gordon. But if you're Christian McCaffrey and you're looking at a four or five year rebuild in Carolina, which it does appear that they're headed towards, it seems that way. And he is so much the best player on that team. They're not going to let him go. I don't think they'll even give him an opportunity to go. No. If you're McCaffrey, though, do you go to the team and just be like, look, you know, let's let's get this worked out. Let, let me just sign now because I have a feeling that Gordon deal is going to be very similar. And and as you mentioned, he got paid OK. You're right. But not 30, 40 million like some of these other, like Ezekiel Elliott or Le'Veon Bell. Like right. Those days are done. I mean, if you're McCaffrey, do you go to Carolina and just be like, look, I'll just do an undervalued deal to stay here? Because while Gordon is probably on a scale of 1 to 10 as a running back. Maybe he's a 7 and McCaffrey's a 10. I would have to think that all of the running backs should try to get extended and not have to go through this. Yeah, To me, uh, and he's so unique from that standpoint of how much he means to that team or any offense. Um, you either, if you're not willing to pay him, then you get what you can for him. You know, you trade him out and you, and somebody will be willing to give you the farm for him. Uh, but if I'm McCaffrey, I, just, I don't care who pays me, just pay me. Because obviously in this sport, uh, a lot can go wrong very quickly. So, you know, get your money while you can and, uh, and be done with it. If it happens to be in Carolina, so be it. But uh, you're not at that point where uh, you have to push the envelope just yet if you're McCaffrey. Well, two yeah. years. That's right. And, yep. you, and you know that the win-loss record for Carolina is not going to be very good. Well, he is going to be. They're going to make him the face of that franchise. So you're going to, they're going to have to is. pay somebody. And right. It, so he's going to make more than the quarterback. 
Could be. Yep. All right, we'll uh, be right back with more fantasy sports today. Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri right with you here on SportsGrid, SportsGrid.com. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Like and subscribe to our show. Also, turn your notifications on. We'll let you know when we have a new show, which is every day. Go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show as we got you coming up up until 1 o'clock on the East Coast. Make sure you tune into the remainder of our day here on Fantasy Sports Today. And Joe, anything over the weekend, anything interesting, kind of pique your your curiosity, your interest? I got to say that this was not a huge TV watching weekend for me. A lot of the streaming that I was doing was... You know, on on older shows like right. watching things that I did, I, I'm not seeing a ton of new content on the on the streaming apps, except for us. Yeah, well, there is a lot of that, but I did uh, I did enjoy all weekend long. They did something really cool, obviously CBS for the, and we talked about it all last week about you know all the birthdays or rather the moments sure. in, in fantasy were about the Masters and Tiger and and those types of things, and I thought they did a really cool job of um, rebroadcasting those. They actually had Tiger and Phil on over the weekend um, d- live during the while the replay was back of the Masters. They had 2004 on Saturday. They had Tiger uh, last year, yesterday on Sunday. So um, really cool stuff. It was, it was nice to be able to at least, even forgetting about it, just being able to watch the golf um, you know, pick it up there and, and check it out for a little while was kind of cool. And uh, you know, that Amen corner and that, uh, you know, being a Sunday on the back nine of Augusta, it was uh, even for a, a brief moment, it was it kind of took you away. And uh, especially last year with Tiger and then 2004 with Phil, that comeback of his in order to be able to uh, win that jacket for the first time was was just awesome. So it was uh, it was a good week and I did enjoy and I'm not a guy that loves to watch the the replay, you know, the old uh, the old uh, games right. and stuff like that. But it was nice being able to flip around and be like, oh, all right, I can I can dig into this. For some reason, golf doesn't. You know, it just feels like it's live. You know what I mean? You can actually convince yourself that what you're watching is happening right now. Oh, that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, one of the things that came out of of the weekend too was the discussion that this sort of uh, you know layoff from no golf hurt mm-hmm. Tiger Woods because of the level that he was playing mm-hmm. at last year. And I, I'm not sure if there are any odds on this and what his odds were going into golf season. And, of course, those are all skewed now at this point. There's no British Open. But the idea, Joe, that, that Tiger Woods could come back almost all the way to where he was before his uh, back issues and right. his personal issues and all that came about. And there are actually a surprising amount of people on the PGA Tour and even analysts that thought that 2020 was going to be a really big year for him. Right. playing golf. Now, I, I don't know how you see it or how you feel about it, but at least that's the sentiment that was shared by people who were smarter than me on it. Tiger is at the point where there is one major that he will always contend in year after year, and it will be the Masters. Nobody plays that. It's set up perfect for especially a guy like him now at where he's at age-wise and in his game. 
That is a golf course where the more you know about it, um, the golf course will eat you alive the less experienced you are. And Tiger knows every place to be in, every angle to be at. You know, having that kind of knowledge, which is why the Masters over the years, Jack won it at 46. You'll continue to see the older guys in the Masters have an opportunity to add a major to their list. I don't see Tiger competing in the other ones. Um, because they're a lot longer, they're, you know, it's a different ball game. I think everything Tiger's going to do from this point of the year is get himself ready like he was. He was actually playing, he just won a tournament a couple of months yeah, ago. Yeah, right before it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's what you're going to see Tiger gearing up to contend in the Masters. And then after that, much like last year, I mean, he showed up, but it was over at that point. I mean, they're re- he w- he's not going to contend in a U.S. Open at Beth Page Black again. That's not... That's not who he is. So, and he's also not somebody that can play as many tournaments as he did. That will happen yeah, from December through yeah. April. His season to me is December through April. Yeah. Has there ever? I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know my golf history as well as some others. Has there ever been a, a pro player that essentially has had that game plan, Joe? Where and, and Tiger Woods is still a relatively young guy to yes. be playing on the PGA Tour. Yep. So has there has there been a golfer that just basically said, "I'm I'm gonna play just U.S. Open. I'm gonna uh, play just British Open." Um, yeah, you know, I, I I don't I don't know that I remember that. that well, I mean, that. it gets and you. Colin can't, Montgomery right? is that an example of a no? Guy I mean, those European guys they play because they drink, they smoke, they just play because <laughs> they they are having a good time. The European guys are just great. It's why they always kick our ass in the Ryder Cup. We're so uptight with the country club uh, boys that we got, and the Europeans are drinking. They don't. They're having a good time. They're always a heck of a lot looser when it comes to that uh, every two years, including the Ryder Cup this year. In fact. Tiger is just so unique from the standpoint of of the injuries and just how long he dominated for a decade. Um, you know, I think you're going to start to see more and more of that. Like Brooks Kupka, apparently. I mean, his what's his mo? He can only he's only going to compete in the in the uh, in the majors, right? I mean, at least that's his most success has come in the majors. Doesn't re- he uses every other tournament as a tune-up for the next major? And I don't think he's won uh, a whole lot of tournaments. I don't think he's won any tournaments, in fact, outside of the majors. Um, he usually just uses those to work on things and. Uh, that's kind of what you're going to get. And uh, also, these guys are like weight room freaks now. Golf was never like that. And I also think it hurts their game, too. The more bulk up you get, the more, you know, the more the stronger you get. Not necessarily. Uh, you just showed Craig uh, Stadler, uh, I believe, on Friday uh, over yeah. the weekend. And, and, you know, I mean, that guy looked like he hadn't seen a weight room ever. Um, yeah. he, a few buffets. But that's golf. I mean, John Daly, that's golf. You know, guys that can do it above the shoulders. The bigger you get, the stronger you get. Uh, look at Dustin Johnson, other guy, big weight room freak. Okay, I mean, sure. how, when's the last time you were actually healthy for a full season? Yeah, no, that's that's a big part of it also. It's just I'm, I'm curious if Tiger could just pull that off, essentially just like having a couple tune-ups, play in the yeah. Masters. Maybe well, that's a luxury, too, though, because a lot of guys, they, you know, they ain't putting food on a table if they ain't competing and winning a golf tournament. It's like Tiger is, he's got oh, to he the point no, where. Not, he doesn't have to worry. Yeah. yeah. How many tournament wins? 80? Like, didn't he just. Uh... I mean, this guy hasn't yeah. to work another day in his life. <laughs> yeah, no, he's good. <laughs> he is absolutely good. Different priorities in his 40s, apparently. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another you know, kind of curious story over the weekend, and, and, and why this is getting so much run, I have no idea. But apparently, so Todd Gurley leaves yes. the uh, 
the Los Angeles Rams. He goes to the Atlanta Falcons. No one can figure out why he picked number 21. And everyone's like holding it against him that he's picked number 21. And he picked number 21. That was previously owned by Deion Sanders. And everyone tells the story about how Deion Sanders was 21 and Deion Sanders didn't want him to wear 21. No one seems to mention, and Marcus Trufant for the last seven years, wore number 21 also. So I don't get it. Joe, what is the big deal here? I know Dion has now backtracked a little bit. He's walked it back and said he didn't think it was a big deal. But the bottom line is that and we hit on some retired jerseys on a show previous. You can check it out on YouTube. But the Atlanta Falcons are one of a handful of teams in the NFL. Why the Falcons? I don't know. But they decided that essentially they're not retiring their jerseys. Okay, fine. If that's the way that you want to do it, then don't retire jerseys. It's a team policy. A girly pick number 21. Why he did, we don't know. We can't figure it out. doesn't come close to what his number was in college or what his number was as a pro. But that's what he wanted. And uh, for Dion's purposes, you should know. You played with the Falcons, and as soon as you left, Marcus Trufant came along. He's played the last seven years with your number 21. Like, are we really that desperate for, for, uh, for attention, Dion? I don't get it. Dion is, um, first of all, you left the Falcons. You played with five teams in the NFL, and granted, you got a whole handful of rings there, my friend, with Dallas and uh, and San Francisco. But uh, yeah, I mean, he 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 got drafted. That was his original home. We get it. I had that jersey of uh, Dion's. I love Dion from from back in the day. Uh, but he played with 37, I think, because that's how old he was when he went came back to Baltimore and finally okay. finished his career there. That's I why. He, that. That's I why he chose that's 37. Why, that's interesting. Yeah, because okay. he was 30. He was going to turn 37 when he played with them, so that was why he chose that. Um, listen, if he would have played and stayed his entire career in Atlanta, I think they would have made. He's worthy of that exception, but. Um, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't get. Gurley was three. He was one in high school, three at Georgia, and thirty with the Rams. I don't know how he got twenty-one, other than two and one equals three, something along those lines. I don't Maybe know. Maybe he played blackjack the night before. So. Yeah, I. You know, it's it's okay. But you're right, Marcus Trufant and Dion is the kind of guy that listen. He's um he's a bit of a uh, thirst trap kind of guy anyway. Kind of likes to get his name in the headlights there and the headlines and. Uh, up in lights and nobody's made more money in a career of uh, being that guy that uh, gets out in front of the media and gets yeah, out in front and, of and things. Well deserved. And, and it's funny. all well deserved. Exactly correct. But, but I don't understand. Like, what is the big deal with retiring or not retiring numbers? We make, we, we did a whole show on this. Like, if a team just basically says we're not going to do it, it's pretty much the end of the story. Tell like, me, I, I, I can't think of a lifelong Falcon that would have even been worthy of most guys from the Falcons no. left the Falcons. Like, there's not really like Tony Gonzalez played for the Falcons, but he re he's in the Hall of Fame as a Chief. So yeah, no, he started with the Chiefs, then went you to know, Atlanta. So yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I honestly, I don't. Uh, who else? Oh. Like Mort? Like Mort Anderson was? What, what, Saint? Yeah, you brought him up. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, so um, there really Roddy wasn't White is Matt White. Ryan and Rod. Yeah, exactly. To me, those guys right now may be down the road because they probably likely will. And even Roddy White eventually played a year or so outside of Atlanta. But to me, that's your those are the guys that are going to be worthy of everyone else left. There's really nobody that's been a lifelong. They don't have a strong history. No. The only shot that they had in a player probably would have been. Uh, Jamal Anderson. Yes. Uh, Jamal yeah, Anderson, right. when they went to the Super Bowl and the whole Dirty Bird, we all remember Jamal Anderson in fantasy football, too, because yep. we all took him the next year, and then he got hurt in game three and missed the entire year. And 
never really came back. It wasn't the same player even after that. Nope. So, so um, yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting because you're right. The Falcons just don't have a lot of uh, solid options there to retire. They've had a lot of guys over the years that have come from other places and, and you know, are in the Hall of Fame, and, and Dion is one of them. But if you ain't retiring numbers... What are you doing, Dion? You know what I mean? Besides busting Gurley's uh, chops there. And maybe he will. I think Dion was all right with Trufant because he played the same position and he was on the defense. I think a lot of what he was upset about is you're now running backs grabbing his number. Like, what are you doing? That's like the enemy. You're, you're a defender. You don't want nobody on the offense having your number. So so is should a league take charge of this? Should Should it be arbitrary to the franchises to decide if they retire numbers or not? Or should inevitably, Joe, the league step in and say, like, either you do it or right. you don't? Well, I mean, listen, I think you got to look to baseball, right? Who's done a better job than baseball of figuring out, you know, Jackie Robinson's number is retired. There, there are a handful of numbers uh, in baseball that league-wide, whether you retire numbers or not, you ain't issuing that number to, and nobody else is going to wear that number. Right. I don't know how many of those there are. Any, I don't even know if there are any of those in the NFL, um, to be honest with you. And I, you know, the NFL has got enough to worry about. I mean, Tom Brady just bought his number from, you know, uh, Godwin. So Godwin. Right. it's, you know, I think they, uh, they eventually end up figuring it out themselves. But Dion is always so unique because he probably will go down as the best to ever play his position, period. Yep, He's going sure. to be. Yep. Yeah, without a doubt. Yep. Uh, okay, so so help me dive into this story a little bit. I saw this one over the weekend, and you said that you were not the winner, and I'm sorry for you, Joe. But some let me. So somebody put fifty cents on on a horse race this weekend and won five hundred thousand dollars. This is true. Uh, yes. How did this happen? The uh, the the beginning of the uh, the pick five, I think, at Gulf Street Park, uh, five hundred twenty four thousand nine hundred sixty six dollars and fifty cents. It was a 50-cent uh, pick five where he picked the winner of the first five races of the day. And that's kind of wow. what a pick three, pick four, pick five. It's a group of back-to-back-to-back races that you've got to win. And this guy ended up picking out the win. Um, and it's the fifth-highest 50-cent pick five uh, winner in the history of the United States in horse racing. So uh, the reason it's that high is because, think about this, uh, guys, it's... Uh, you've got to go ahead and get a little bit of luck. Five, picking five winners of horse races in a row is is not an easy thing to do. So certainly not to win 500000 That means there wasn't a lot of chalk. In other words, a lot of favorites. This guy also won by picking bombs. And, you know, 10 to 1, 12 to 1, 14 to that 1 shots. To be part of it. Yeah. yeah, I think the one, the union, the, the guy that won... Freddie Soto won the first round. I believe that was, uh, and that's the name of the horse. He was 73 to 1. Union Lane was 34 to 1 that won oh, the next yeah. race. Okay. So the dude just picked bombs and won half a million dollars by doing it. But you know what? Listen, I'd rather be lucky than good because nobody else was betting uh, Freddie Soto to win that race at 73 to 1. I can assure you of that. No, no. And that's, yes. that's, that, that is the reason why it yes. 500 grand. Yes. All, all those big odds. Uh, we get asked this question a lot. I, I, I don't really always have a solid answer for it mm -hmm. because the easy answer is, oh, if I won, I mean, 500 grand is, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of money and it is you know, life changing money, of course, especially in this day and age for About sure. 300 after taxes, but yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, it's like, I, I think that my, my house purchase would be it. Like, even though I'm very happy where I live, I think right. that, that would probably be 
my big purchase. Right. I don't have anything necessarily that you know, that sits out there that's like in the clouds. Right. That I, would, that, I, that I can't afford to buy. If I needed to, I would somehow figure out to buy it myself. Have you ever thought like, wow, if I won one of these big bets, what you would do with it? Or something specific? Well, there's a big, there's big, and then there's like, you know, Powerball big. Um, you know, yeah. so like a half a mil is nice. You know what I mean? It's, uh, oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's great, it, you yeah. know, but it's not life altering kind you're of You're going to still have to work at some point. Right. You know, I win 500 million in Powerball, then, you know, I'm, I'm buying an island and renting it out to UFC and Dana White. That's kind there of, it is. that's what I'm that's, doing. See, yes. Now that's yeah. what I was looking yes. for. That, that money good. will make money. I can assure you of that. Yes, absolutely correct. And have you, have you, do you play those Powerball? Do you play uh, Mega Millions and all that? I, listen, you got to be in it to win it, man. You know, I've been, uh, occasionally I'll, uh, throw, you waste a couple of bucks on bucks. these scratch-offs and those types of things. Absolutely. Why not? All right. Fair yeah, enough. Why? Yeah. Got to be in it to win it, right? L rather what? be lucky than good, man. I remember when they, they started putting the machines out there where you didn't even have to speak to anybody. You just put the $5 in and the tickets yes. came out and scratch-off yeah. tickets. And it's always been my argument. It's like, listen, it, the idea of not having casino gambling or sports books in a state that has lotto is the most hypocritical thing I have ever heard in my life. I have literally watched people take their paycheck and drop it because it's a hundred million dollar, uh, you know, a hundred million dollar or spend 200 yep. bucks in scratch all. Like, are you kidding me? The schools still suck. So who are you kidding? It's the biggest scam there is here in yeah, all, we'll, every we'll state. Have oh, we'll have. Sports betting will be legal soon. Next year. Coming. It's coming. All right. We'll be back uh, for hour two of Fantasy Sports today. Just a couple of minutes. Craig and Joe, don't go anywhere. Stay on the grid right here on Sports Grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.